0: Welcome to Time to Pause with your host, Dr. Kimberly Kodaka. This podcast shares inspiring and motivating stories from incredible veterinarians and industry professionals as they successfully multitask common career challenges and discuss topics relevant to the veterinary profession. And now, here's Dr. Kodaka.
1: My guest today is Dr. Crystal Heath. She's a 2012 graduate from UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine. She's the veterinarian at the Berkeley Humane, an organization that partners with shelters across the state to prioritize the dogs and cats that would have a difficult time being adopted from the public shelter setting. She's also a veterinarian for Community Concern for Cats which is a nonprofit rescue that provides spay-neuter services and medical treatment for community cats. Dr. Heath's work was recently acknowledged by the Jefferson Award, a prestigious award recognizing individuals for their work in improving and supporting their communities. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Time to Pause. I'm so excited to be talking with Dr. Crystal Heath today. We met on a outreach program and she's doing some incredible stuff with the Berkeley Humane Society. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest, Crystal. Hello. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Time for Talk. Nice to join talk. you today. We look forward to our conversation today. Would you just fill us in as to whether... Veterinary medicine was in the stores for you all along? So it was interesting. When I, when I was little, I
0: grew up surrounded by tons of animals. And
1: we had goats,
0: horses, chickens, dogs, cats, iguanas, snakes, a variety of animals. And everybody said, of course, oh, she's going to be a veterinarian. I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I wasn't hugely into academics. And I knew it was very hard to get into vet school. And I didn't want to spend my life seeing suffering animals every day. You know, it was always in the back of my mind, but I never thought I'd actually become a veterinarian. I just thought it would be too hard to do. I ended up working at a veterinary hospital. When I was in high school, I was 16, and they slowly trained me up from being a kennel assistant to being able to draw blood, place catheters. Um, It was a great opportunity, but that even solidified my belief that I should not become a veterinary because I saw what a stressful job it was. I loved working in the back with the animals and doing tech stuff, but I couldn't imagine myself working as a veterinarian in private practice and dealing with the stress of clients and their emotions and having to deal with money and convincing people to spend money on their pets, the whole thing just overwhelmed me and stressed me out. But I don't think I could have been an RVT for the rest of my life either. RVTs are wonderful, but it is a very stressful job too. And I rode horses at the time, and I could never see myself supporting my lifestyle riding horses on the salary that an RVT makes. So I knew I had to somehow combine my love of animals with a career. Um, I thought the best option for that would be to go into business, and I could always have some sort of independent business and then use the money I make to help save animals. First of all, I... I thought maybe I'd be a horse trainer because I loved horses and had ridden horses my whole life. So I spent a few years working with a dressage judge and a horse trainer and investigating that career option. It was very hard on my body. And after a while, I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life either. So it was a long journey to try to figure out what exactly I wanted to do. My parents were both small business owners, so I thought, well, I'd start some sort of small business. And I ended up starting a company called Delphina Savory while I was going to college, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I went to community college, actually, and that's the route I would recommend anybody go who wants to go into that school. Get all your lower division courses done at a community college then transfer to a four year college and then apply to vet school. Because I had such a great experience that my particular community college was Diablo, Diablo Valley College. We had excellent teachers. It's a very highly rated community college and it's really affordable. The cost of education is the most important factor that somebody should take into consideration when considering vet school because vets don't make a lot of money and the cost of education is so high. It's really hard to get out of debt as a veterinarian with how high the cost of education is. So I ended up starting in college this business online called Gelfina Salary. I thought, you know, I I do want the knowledge of going to vet school. I want that information in my head. I don't think I'll ever become a veterinarian, but I want to go to vet school just for the knowledge. And I'll run my business. My little internet business i will make money that way. And then maybe I'll ride horses on the side, run my business, do a bunch of other different things. But I won't be a veterinarian. I applied to vet school, got in to UC Davis. And it was really probably three quarters of the way through UC Davis, vet- veterinary school, where I decided I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> so that's a longer path than most people take to deciding that they want to be a veterinarian. And one of the reasons I did was volunteering at the Sacramento SBCA. I loved shelter medicine, and I went into vet school having this certain idea about shelter medicine. I couldn't see myself doing that because I imagined all these poor homeless animals and having to euthanize unwanted animals and dealing with animal cruelty cases. That whole thing just stressed me out. I could not myself doing that every day but working at the SAC SBCA with Dr. Lori learning about high volume staying neuter I really at the end of my volunteer days there felt energized love surgery so much and after I'm done I'm like I need to do more surgery like I would go weeks without doing surgery and be like oh my god I need to sur- I need to surgerize something um, <laughs> it, it was like such a rewarding experience and when I was there she let me like amputate a dog's leg I learned so much and this is me as a junior senior in vet school you know learning these cool surgeries helping out these animals and making a huge difference that was really motivating and energizing and I realized that I couldn't stand not doing that for the rest of my life so even though Now I spend more time doing veterinary medicine than running my business. And um, I never thought that the majority of my income would now be from veterinary medicine and not my side business. So it was an interesting path for sure.
1: Yeah, well, I like how you took your time and contemplated different opportunities. But you also were active in that process. You, You sought out the information so that you could make a wise decision on your different choices of the career that you wanted, and your business, etc. So I think that's a very mature approach that you took to doing this. Can you tell us a little bit about the small business that you have? I, I can't quite get the first word.
0: Delfina. It's spelled D-E-L-S-I-N-A. And I, I met a, one of my classmates who was from India. and. She's also very much into riding horses and we were going shopping one day at a tack store and she's like, I cannot believe the prices of this tack. I mean, you go to India and it's like a tenth of this price. And I'm like, well, yeah, but Indian leather is not very good. And she's like, no, no, it's the exact same stuff. And I'm like, really? She's like, I'm going back to India. I'll bring you back some stuff and you can see. And I gave her a few hundred dollars. She brought back these gorgeous, bridles and things and I ended up selling them on eBay making good profit and then slowly developed this brand and I worked with some manufacturers in India to create the products that I wanted to make and um, kind of Mm -hmm. gradually turned that into a website and then we sold products on Amazon and Etsy Um, and now I have two employees that pretty much run the business for me and I haven't really spent that much time thinking about it until tax time comes. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I should see how that thing's doing because i got to file my taxes. And it, <laughs> so it just kind of sits there and makes me some money. My, my problem with it is I, I am vegan and it's leather products. And so now my goal is to transition everything over to vegan products, um, which will be the next challenge that that business faces. But now I think vegan products are going to be all the rage in the horse world because everybody has is in the horse world because we love animals and we would hate to kill one type of animal so that we could interact with another animal. It just doesn't make any sense.
1: So that's an exciting new new direction that we're hoping
0: to take the company in.
1: Oh well, we look forward to hearing more about the vegan pack. And so then you you went to. Veterinary school, really keen, it sounds like, you know, just get the information on the proper care of animals and that type of situation, but then fell in love with it. You had a, a wonderful mentor or role model, it sounds like, at the, the shelter that you work at. Can you tell us a little bit more about that relationship?
0: Um, yeah, she, Dr. Laurie at the SAC SBCA, is amazing. She puts on these um, feral cat T.N.R. clinics and. At that time, I don't know if that program is still going on, but took in students from the vet school who were in the Shelter Medicine Club, and we would start off learning how to prep and then learning how to neuter, and then gradually we got to be in the surgery room, and she taught us the high-volume, spay neuter techniques of the pedicle pies, the Miller's knot, things that we don't learn in vet school. And you can spay a cat in six minutes with these techniques, and the animals do very well, and the surgery is relatively bloodless. It was just a really eye-opening experience to see what could be done with so few resources and how many animals you could help in a single day. Whereas in vet school, a cat spay can take an hour. And even with oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the surgeons there who are board-certified surgeons, there was, they'll do a cat spay in like half an hour. And... It's unrealistic. Like we, can't, we won't be able to spay and neuter all the animals that need surgery with those types of times. We have to set up clinics where we can do 30 to 50 animals a day, because that's the only way we're going to be able to sterilize all the animals that need sterilization. Because it just takes one dog or cat to create thousands of
1: offspring in just a few years. Yeah. Yes, how true. And, and this is why we brought Dr. Heath with us to our Fiji Spay Neuter Clinic. Yay! <laughs> six minutes six-minute spay. <laughs> so, um, and, everybody, yeah. and everybody can learn how to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, you're so passionate about the humane treatment of animals and the shelter. Did nothing catch your eye when you were at vet school? Were you just kind of getting through so you could move on to what you really loved? There's lots of different
0: things that come up in vet school. I mean, you have, it's interesting to me how in vet school we saw how important analgesia is in dogs and cats, but at the same time, pigs are being castrated with no anesthesia, you know, just by ripping their testicles off. And sheep, we castrate them with a band and no anal- analgesia, Uh We'd chop off their tails with a hot blade with no analgesia. So it's weird to see, like, as somebody who's vegan and loves animals, to see the difference between how we treat two different species when they both suffer, they all feel the same. Dogs feel pain just as much as sheep and pigs do, and yet we treat them so differently. And nobody really had that conversation. Right, too. UC Davis is very, is an awesome school, but I feel like that conversation needed to be discussed a little bit more. And there's a lot of animal experimentation going on, and some of the experimentation, you don't really see how it's going to benefit a lot of animals or people over time. I feel like there were some experiments that were being done that the, the benefit wasn't substantial enough to warrant the suffering that was caused. Um, So, you know, those are things that you, you think about as going through vet school. And one of my biggest regrets is not pushing those thoughts more and having conversations more with my professors because I just wanted to get through and I was so tired. I was studying, you know, working really hard and I'm like, I don't have the energy to really investigate this further. But I would encourage that students now to have those conversations with your professors. Join together with other students who feel the same way, who have compassion for all animals, and ask these questions. Why do why do we treat dogs one way and pigs and sheep a different way when they both suffer? They all suffer. And
1: so yeah, interesting thoughts. And I think that, yes, they're absolutely uh, very important questions. And It got me thinking, you know, being of an older generation than you, when I was young and certainly when my parents were young, the way we treated dogs actually wasn't at the same level as we're treating them now. And it's only through pushing the envelope and advocating and saying, you know, um, we're not going to tolerate certain things. Yeah, I'd also encourage everybody to stand up for what they think is right or wrong or question and engage these conversations because it's only that way that we're going to move the industry in a different direction. Um,
0: Absolutely. Each generation, I feel like, is getting better and better and becoming more and more compassionate. And the more highly we value animals, the better off we will all be. The better veterinary medicine will be, more Animals will receive better care. And I think that just leads to compassion for all humans, all animals, and less suffering in the world overall. And we're just headed there, one generation after another. And I think it's really promising for our future to have this much compassion
1: for all beings. When you were at the point of graduating and it was time to look for your first job, what were the considerations that you thought about?
0: I was one of the few vet students who near it, I didn't want to do an internship. I didn't want to do a residency. The thought of those things like stressed me out. <laughs> um, I, I just heard horror stories about internships. And I know this about myself, that I can only really work well for four to six hours a day. And then I'm toast and my brain is fried. And especially in vet school, I knew... I was nearing burnout at the end of ed school. It was just my little brain couldn't handle everything. So nearing the end, I had a couple of different options. I sent out my resume, got some interviews at different, different places. One was a nonprofit. One was a general practice. I went into the general practice, and it was a lovely general practice. They did a great job. The people there were so nice. It was like the ideal situation, and at the same time, I'm sitting there with $200,000 in student loan debt. So this is also going through my mind: how am I going to pay this off? And I sat down with the general practice, and she asked me, "So how much do you want to make a day?" And I said my number, and she her jaw dropped. And I'm like, "Does that sound reasonable?" And she's like, "That's more than I make." And I'm like, oh. <laughs> No. okay and she's like well this is a great opportunity it's a great mentorship opportunity here and I felt that but at the same time when I was there like I was very stressed out I just like we saw a couple rooms with the clients and I had a lot of anxiety in that setting even though it was a great setting I was honored that she wanted me to work there she they really did a fantastic job the other organization was a nonprofit. I didn't have to interact with any clients. I was just expected to stay and neuter and the RVTs were amazing. And this was just in a like mobile van doing stay neuter for like four hours a day. What I would make would be more an hour than I would make at the general practice. And I just had this feeling that I was not stressed out in the setting. Like, I, this was really cool. It was a small town that really needed things to help. And I felt like this is where I should be. This feels comfortable. I want to show up for work every day here. Whereas the general practice, even going to a couple working interviews that I did there, I was dreading going into there. And I don't know why. Like For whatever reason, something about myself
1: interacting
0: with people in general practice it gave me a lot of anxiety. But doing surgery in a van you, as a new grad didn't. It, it, which is, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, you, very unusual. It's, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. I get that. And it's not suited to everybody. But that was my first job. And I only had like three days a week, four hours a day. And that was what my job was. And I spent the rest of my time working on my uh, business a salary so that gave me some freedom that even though i didn't have a full-time job i didn't have benefits i didn't have health insurance i did have income from my business so that gave me some freedom i ended up getting some relief work at the placer sbca which was very helpful i learned a lot about shelter medicine and how a shelter works and putting all these different jobs together i ended up making a really good living And gradually, I got more and more different relief jobs. Over time, my Delphina salary business was taking less and less of my time. Then I spent all my time doing veterinary medicine at various places. And it ended up being six days a week, seven days a week. I was working every day. And then... Somehow, my stamina increased, or I could work more than four to six hours a day. I ended up being able to work 12 hours a day and not feeling burnt out and looking forward to the next day. That allowed me to pay off my $200,000 in student loan debt in five years after graduating school. I would have never been able to do that if I had stuck it out with the general practice where I knew I was going to be stressed out and burn out. Having all those different options of places I could work and looking forward to my job every day, it really makes it easy to work six or seven days a week when you have jobs that you enjoy doing. So everybody just has to find their right niche. Even though it might be weird to somebody else, it might be what works for you.
1: Wow. It's an interesting perspective that when you're able to maybe, um, do it at different locations and maybe slightly different responsibilities, you stay a little more resilient and, uh, interested. I think also though, you also were very attuned to your values and what you wanted to participate in and what didn't feel right to you. And you listened to that. And so, yeah, you were able to, to pick employment opportunities which were best suited for you a great lesson for others to emulate because we all have an incredible uh, passion and empathy and love for animals and when that's diluted you do feel quite heavy and burnt out by the situation and it was so
0: rewarding for me helping animals in need and helping shelter animals and homeless animals and staying and neutering because staying and neutering is so important to me i think just knowing that I'm doing something good for the community is what really motivated me a lot. At the end of the day, seeing that these are 20, 30, 50 animals that are now altered and won't be adding to the population and will now live happier, healthier lives because of my day's work it was so rewarding. And that just helped me continue on
1: yeah, I can hear your passion and your love for, for these critters and your, your desire to do what you can. And I can see how that sense of self-satisfaction at the end of each day just fuels you. And that's the key. It's finding the opportunity that, you know, as they say, work becomes not work. Um, exactly. I think another thing I wanted to point out, you were able to make a satisfying career with a very acceptable, if not great, income doing shelter medicine. I think a lot of the times there might be the impression that because animals aren't owned, people think that maybe they're not going to get financially compensated appropriately. Doesn't seem to be the case. from Yeah, the
0: colleague. I thought that in vet school too. I'm like, well, shelter medicine doesn't pay well enough for me to pay off my $200,000 in student loan debt. There is this reimbursement for doing public service that may or may not actually exist. But everybody who I know in shelter medicine was like, oh, I'm going to do the 10-year plan where you work for a nonprofit and then you get your student loans covered or whatever. And I discovered actually that you can often make more money working for a nonprofit than you can in general practice because you're doing so much in a day. Like you're doing 50 surgeries in a day. You're not spending that time holding a client's hand, talking to people on the phone, which are very important things to do, but
1: don't make you any money. You and know, different it, people it, have different um, talents. So, you know, yes. some people I know love that aspect, and some people don't like it. And that that's the same for I know people who... Freak out with surgeries, and I know people who don't yeah. want to talk to a client. <laughs> so. And if,
0: if that's your your talent, talking to people, you can make a really good living doing that. But I find that a lot of general practices are they're run because they care about animals. They're not run to make any money. So the employees aren't paid very well. They're just in it for the love of the animals, and the clients are paying what they should, but they don't see the value in it. They they're like, oh, why is veterinary medicine so expensive? It's like you, you have no idea the, the deal that you're getting and how little profit that this veterinary practice That's is actually making. They're yeah. just in it for because they love animals. They're not in it for the money. Unfortunately, though, because a lot of general practices are run so poorly as businesses, a lot of veterinarians struggle with debt and mental health issues surrounding their Financial issues. And then there's clients yelling at them because everything's so expensive. And it's like, well, it's actually, it should be a lot more
1: expensive than what you're paying. <laughs> yeah. And it, it becomes a vicious cycle of feeling yeah. stressed and burnt out and getting yelled at and not being able to make the decisions you want. And it's the vicious cycles. So it sounds like you've had a wonderfully rewarding career. Many times, if you've been out six, seven years, there's circumstances which are not favorable and perhaps contribute to some feelings of burnout or overwhelm has that happened at all during your career oh yeah especially
0: working in a shelter there's times when you adopt out a healthy dog and a few days later it comes down with an illness that was not apparent when you last examined it and the client comes back angry. Your shelter is adopting out sick animals. I had to pay all this money to fix this animal. You know, you're worried they're going to post bad things about you on social media, this fat missed this disease. We had one instance where I, we adopted out a puppy that was pretty healthy, and it had coccidia that we treated. And so we just sent it home with a form that said, hey, this puppy had coccidia. We treated it but you might want to retest in a couple of weeks. And then it also had a little vaginitis, puppy juvenile vaginitis. Somebody told her that because we spayed the puppy so young, that it was at risk of having a hooded vulva, and it would never urinate normally for the rest of its life. And she was very angry that we would spay puppies this young. I brought her in, and we talked about everything to a great length. I think I spent like an hour, hour and a half with her explaining everything. Explain coccidia, very common in puppies. We treated it. You really don't have to worry about this. This dermatitis, here's some antibiotics, like it'll go away. We don't really know whether your puppy will have a hooded vulva, but at this point, it doesn't look like it will. We have to stay and neuter these puppies before they're adopted out because there have been studies that show That if we adopt out animals that are intact, even if you pay a deposit to us to bring it back later to spay or neuter it, people don't do that. And so we have to adopt them all out, spayed and neutered. And really, the risk is so small compared to the benefits of doing that. I really felt like we had a good conversation. She left happy. I emailed her afterwards, and we talked about it. And then she sends an angry email after we send our automated email asking for a donation. Again, angry at all the things that she was angry at to start with, Um, and she didn't hear anything that I said. Or, you know, even though like, and I showed my boss all the emails that we had, where she seemed very happy. She loved the dog, and she was so thankful that I spent the time with her but then went right back to the same issues that she had before. And it was so frustrating. It's like, oh, I worked so hard, and I got nowhere with that person. Um, well, you
1: did. She probably has, though, somebody else barking in her ear, you know, yeah. whether it's a husband, a neighbor, a aunt, or, you know, whoever, is misrepresenting information and putting that bee in her bonnet. So you never know what happened. I'm sure, I'm sure that you did have an impact, like you said, because she was happy. But being that she's not as educated and confident as you are, she's not able to resist the old wives yeah. tales or the this type of thing. But yeah, I can see how that becomes frustrating because you take it personally, you want to be doing your best to educate and inform and make the owner feel happy with, with the puppy that you gave them as things probably are going to be absolutely fine. But that doesn't come to, to be in some cases, right? Yeah, you
0: just have to realize that was one person out of the now thousands of animals that we've adopted out. And the 20,000 plus and neuters that I've done, this was one person. And so I do have a lot of systems in place. Every time there is a, a complaint, um, we look at everything and we're like, how can we avoid this from happening? We have Very detailed recommendations for care. Anytime we adopt out an animal that has any sort of condition, we explain everything very thoroughly. Every single person that adopts an animal from us gets my email address, so they can email me at any time with any issues. They can always bring the animal back within a week to us to receive free veterinary care. We partner with BCA, who... Will provide a free exam and $250 of free care for shelter-related diseases like kennel cough, diarrhea, things like that. We always recommend everybody get in pet insurance. They get a form where they can get immediate coverage. So few people do that, and that is really frustrating. Even though we have yeah. amazing adoption counselors who tell them, "Look, my own dog needed $10,000 in veterinary care, and I was so thankful that I had TruePainion insurance." to cover this, and you're, right now your perfect puppy is healthy, but tomorrow it can come down with something that's going to be very expensive. Please get this insurance. Very few people actually take advantage of that. But it's
1: frustrating.
0: Yeah, they don't realize how important it is. And my own dog has insurance, and I'm so thankful for it because he's never actually been sick. And I feel like if you have insurance, your pet will actually will never need it. Yeah, <laughs> so That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Communication is the area that is the hardest for us. And for me, my favorite form of communication is writing or in person. I hate talking on the phone. I work to avoid talking on the phone with clients as much as possible because they don't hear things right. They don't see what your face looks like. and You can't share as much compassion over the phone as you can in person. Um, you can't show them things on the pet as you can in person. So everybody can email me, I, and I, I'm surprised at how few people actually take me up on that and email me questions after adoption. I feel like people respect uh, my time a lot, and I'm thankful for that. And I get to catch things early, and if something comes up, we can address it right
1: away before it snowballs into a disaster you know these situations can be quite challenging i'm wondering you know what have your greatest joys been so far Um, my greatest joys are when we
0: have really problematic medical cases that we have in the shelter and we're able to help them i just saw in my memories an amazing dog called odin who was an english bulldog he had hypothyroidism Severe skin disease, very itchy hair loss all over. He had bilateral cruciate disease. We were able to get him surgery on one of his hind legs, at TPLO. We treated the hypothyroidism, cured his skin disease, and he will always need to be on a very special diet because of his allergic dermatitis. So he was a very hard-to-adopt-out dog because his care per month was going to be so expensive. He needed Cytopoint, Applequill, prescription diet, and he still needed, likely his other leg, needed a TPLO. Thankfully, he was adopted out to a wonderful person, and I just texted him when I saw Odin come up on my memories. And I was like, how is Odin doing? It's been like a year. And he's like, "Oh, Odin's wonderful. He's doing great. His skin has gotten so good. I haven't needed to do the side appointment for three months." He actually paid for the other TCO to be done on his leg, and he just loves the dog so much and takes good, such good care of him. And then also, I love being able to go to rural areas. I go up to Oroville and they neuter fifty cats. Um, that that just Is so rewarding, especially for that community that needs a motor services so badly. So those are the things that keep me going.
1: Yeah. Giving is such a wonderful feeling, but for those of us that can really appreciate the impact that you're having on the dog and cat population in your area and the relationships you are establishing with the owners, it's absolutely fabulous. Keep up. Thank you. Good job. Yeah. Do you consciously do things for yourself to help balance your propensity to give the animals all the time?
0: Yeah, I think daily habits and routines are so important because how you spend your time is, is the most important thing. And it, you, it's so easy to waste time. I have a very weird daily routine, and I know it definitely will not help most people because most people can't do this. I am a single woman. I don't have kids. I don't plan on ever having kids. So I wake up at 3.30 in the morning and I just take some time for myself to relax, get ready. I go to the gym at 5 a.m. every morning and working out to me is the best thing you can do for your mental health. Even if you don't go at 5 a.m., go sometimes spend an hour a day getting your heart rate up and your blood pumping it's so important to be physically healthy as well as mentally healthy in this field. Because I have a plant-based diet, I cook for myself every day. I do meal prep in the beginning of the week, so I have food for the rest of the week, so I don't have to think about what I'm eating. I, my meals are already planned out for me. I think eliminating as many choices as possible and setting your schedule so that you know exactly where, what you have to do, where you are, what you're eating every day that routine will really help your mental health and help you be as productive as you can be. I would like to spend more time meditating, which I do on and off. I need to fit that into my schedule a little bit better and then take some time to do something creative. I spend a little time doing painting, but I would like to spend more time doing some painting and doing some writing as well. I think for me, putting your thoughts down in the written word can really help pave the monkey brain and get what ideas you actually want to put forth to the world. Put it in a clear, concise way. I think that is, is really important. And put your concerns that you're having about things down on paper so you actually recognize what what are the struggles that you're dealing with. Put them on paper and then you like go, oh, that's my concern. Really, it's not that bad. I can move on now. And so, I think those things are really important exercise, eating right, daily resched- schedules and routines.
1: And that's an interesting concept. Writing down, you know, what's bothering you and and the fact that oftentimes uh, its impact will go. I hadn't thought of it like that, but I know with with coaching, they say the same concept for feeling overwhelmed. You know, the best thing to do is to dump. You know, just write everything down, you know, what you've got to do, what's worrying you, etc. And it helps to organize you. Those are actually great pearls of wisdom. Before closing, is there something particular that you'd like to emphasize? I would just want to tell all veterinarians that if you're not happy
0: with what you're doing, change it. There are so many different opportunities out there. Nobody has to dread going to work every day. There is so much joy to be found in this field, and I know there's a lot of negativity out there. But reach out to all of us. We all want to help you. We all want to help the animals. And... I think coming together as a community is really important
1: and really supporting your colleagues. I agree. Should our guests want to speak with you, where can they reach you? Yeah, um,
0: vetharmony.org is my website, but I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Crystal Heath, and you can find me on Instagram as Dr. Crystal Heath. I'm happy to help anybody out there. But harmony was set up because there's many questions pet owners have that I found myself repeatedly answering, questions about nutrition, staying and neutering, dental disease, and I have written out very long articles describing all of the concerns pet owners have about these conditions, and I'd encourage everybody to check out VetHarmony.org. It's in its infancy, and I hope to do a lot more with that
1: website. Are you offering for others to share that information with their own clients? Oh,
0: absolutely. A lot of people do.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. I'd like to thank you, Crystal, for taking the time to pause with us today. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Time to Pause. Join us next time as we continue the conversation with industry leader, Dr. Kimberly Kodaka. Make it a great day.